Today's Bible reading is from Luke chapter 20, verses 27 through 38, found on page 1029 in your pew Bible. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up the children for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless, then the second, and the third married her, and so in the same way all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is God not of the dead, but of the living. For to him all of them are alive. All right, I'd like to have the young people come up here and talk to us. This is not a time with the young people. This is the young people's time with the congregation this morning. Hey. I have to tell you guys, though, um, I have three nephews, Austin, Dakota, and Dallas. So if I get confused and call you Dallas, it's me, it's not you. <laughs> uh, now these two are gonna be gone uh, next Sunday uh, during the blessing of animals, uh, but what they wanted to do uh, is to talk to us about puppy mills. And uh, they have brought a flyer that talks about puppy mills. You can find them uh, in the narthex on your way out. And so I think you have a few words to say, right? Who would like to start? Okay. So puppy mills are basically places where they um, overbreed dogs. So they breed, they breed the mother and father dogs till they can no longer make puppies. And then the mother and father dogs are either discarded, just getting rid of, or they're killed. And basically they're like dog making factories and the mother dogs spend their entire lives in the kennels and they have no personal attention. And basically, when you go to pet stores, most of the puppies at the pet stores are from puppy mills. So if you buy like a dog from a pet store or over the internet without seeing the breeder's home firsthand, most of the time it's from a puppy mill and you're, and you're supporting the industry. We will be, we will be holding, um, we'll be raising money to um, help the Humane Society stop this on the Blessing of the Beasts in, at, on the 13th. 
um, when people will count money for when people bring their animals in. Uh, or pictures. So for every animal or picture of an animal that's brought in, we'll like donate a dollar. Our goal is to get a hundred dollars or more. And if you want more information, you can go to the website at www.humanesociety.org. It's on the 13th on Blessing of the Beast Day. Did you girls want to say anything about that too, or okay? Uh, we call it the blessing of animals, but I've noticed you've been calling it blessing of the beasts, which that's a whole other that's a whole other service right there, isn't it? Blessing of the beasts. So yeah, it's okay. You can call it whatever you want. Uh, but uh, the Humane Society, as you both point out, um, is a very good resource uh, for just being aware of how uh, pets are treated uh, in this country. And, and so they're going to have the flyers in the back and, uh, you know, they, they're going to donate uh, a dollar for every uh, picture or animal or beast uh, that you bring. So thank you very much, guys. So let us uh, bow our heads for prayer. Uh, loving God, we uh, come here again as we do every uh, Sunday morning uh, just to remind ourselves what's truly important in life. We get so caught up in uh, the activities of life that we often forget uh, a perspective. And so uh, today, as we uh, head toward next Sunday and the blessing of animals, uh, may we all be aware that we are in this very, very large network of relationships, and we are related to animals in so many different ways. So bless us and bless them. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, thanks to Carol for uh, reading the text uh, today. It's a little bit of a puzzle uh, that the Sadducees uh, were presenting to Jesus. Uh, we've been in the Gospel of Luke for a few Sundays, and as I mentioned before, this is uh, creation season, uh, second Sunday of creation season. And um, I just want to draw your attention to that text if you'd like to open it up in your Bible to have it in front of you. Um, just a little background um, on the text. Uh, when we all look back uh, at history and uh, we talk about uh, the context in which uh, the Bible was written in the time of Jesus, we often think that um, the, the Jews believed the same all together. Uh, but there were uh, just as many denominations and factions and groups uh, back then as there are now. So. When you say, you know, what the Christian perspective is, well, you know, <laughs> depends on the group and the congregation you're talking about. And so it's a very, very uh, loaded uh, term, this, uh, this idea um, that there are many factions. And of course, there are some correlations, oddly. Um, there are the Sadducees, uh, and they're the ones who are asking Jesus the question in this case. Uh, the Sadducees were... Uh, they were the wealthy, uh, they were uh, part of the aristocracy of the Jews and they tended to uh, be friendly to whatever uh, empire is dominating them and uh, so they are often uh, held in high esteem and yet realizing that they're kind of working both sides. Um, and the Sadducees, their scriptures were the Pentateuch. How many people know what the Pentateuch is? 
you've been in my Bible, my Bible study, right? It's the first five books of the Bible. As far as the Sadducees are concerned, that was their scripture. That's what they had. And uh, so they come to Jesus and they ask him about the resurrection. And of course, there is no resurrection mentioned in the Pentateuch. So the Sadducees did not believe that there is a resurrection. And so usually when uh, people are talking about resurrection, um, uh, <laughs> I'm on a different time today. <laughs> Got a good night's sleep. And here I am just very mellow and just <laughs> resurrect those words for me. Yes, resurrection. <laughs> Usually it's a pastoral issue. Somebody comes to you, they've lost a family member, and part of that discussion sometimes turns toward, you know, what happens after the death of the body. And a lot of people believe uh, that we go to heaven and we are there uh, with God and with loved ones. And I never, never um, tell anybody, no matter what their belief is about it, I never tell them they're wrong because I, they're in the middle of grief and, I, and they don't need a theological lesson from me. Uh, but they are not being pastoral, these Sadducees. They are trying to trick Jesus and they've come up with this really, really complicated proposition. Uh, there was a, sort of a, a social expectation that um, if a man died uh, leaving a wife and children, then the man's brother would marry that wife. Um, and then if that man died, the other brother would marry the wife, and so on. And that's how it goes. And they turn it into this ridiculous proposition uh, and you just wonder, well, how can anybody respond to this with any sense of authority, any sense of rationality? And uh, so they're, they're just wanting to see what Jesus is going to say, because no matter what he says, he's going to alienate some group or some faction. Uh, Jesus uh, actually takes their question seriously. And uh, he does a couple of things. Um, he... First, he says that, that that question is really inappropriate because Jesus says there is giving and taking in marriage in this age, but not in the age to come. There will be no marriage in the age to come. And Jesus couches that um, with the idea that uh, there are angels and heavenly beings and that's sort of a way that Jesus thinks about any life after death is that we, we just kind of you know move on somewhere. It's very hazy actually. In fact, uh, the resurrection of the dead is not a huge issue in the Old Testament. And uh, so uh, Jesus just answered their uh, question directly says it's, it's just an inappropriate question. And then he, he answers another way also, and he goes, oddly, he goes back to the Sadducees' own scriptures uh, to this scene of Moses standing before uh, the burning bush and hearing God speak to him, and God mentions uh, Moses' ancestors, uh, Jacob and 
Joseph and all of that. And, and, God, and God, God explains that connection in such a way that they are still alive somewhere. He uses the, the present tense as if they were still alive. And so uh, the, the Sadducees would not um, accept that really as kind of a stretch. Uh, but there is just some kind of vague understanding that, that, that life goes on somehow. Um, and that's because of the nature of God and not the nature of human beings. It's just God is the kind of God that creates life. And so whenever you think about God, you think about life, and when a person in your family dies, you know, they kind of go on in some vague way. And, um, and they're not very specific on what the next age would be. And so, um, actually, Jesus sided with the Pharisees. Uh, the Pharisees, well, the Sadducees are kind of like the Senate, and the, and the Pharisees are kind of like uh, the, the representatives of Congress. And, um, and they have to work together. Now, now, the Pharisees, they took not only the Pentateuch, the five books of the Bible, but they also took on uh, the prophets and the Psalms and an oral tradition uh, that came from Moses. So they had a lot more material to work with. And uh, they would uh, argue that there is a resurrection. And so that used to be a big thing, a big debate. You know, uh, what is resurrection? Well, there's no resurrection. Others people say, yes, there is, but they're a little vague about it. And so uh, really there's not a whole lot of clarity um, about the resurrection. In fact, um, in the New Testament, um, you can get bits and pieces of the idea of resurrection, but again, there's a lack of clarity. Uh, there's a, a famous text in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15 where the Apostle Paul talks about, um, uh, about resurrection. And um, it's kind of convoluted, his argument about that. Again, ending up with the, the, the position that to be with God is to be alive. And uh, so sometimes people ask me what I think about life after death. And I just sort of lift up these texts and saying, you know, to be with God is to be alive. And there's not a whole lot more we can say about it. And we're not being vague and cagey because we want to be a little aloof or special about it. Uh, but the Bible does not really dwell very much on the resurrection. Um, and of course, Jesus' resurrection was a huge event in, in the New Testament. Um, but that was not a statement about life after death. Uh, it was a sort of a vindication of God, uh, that God's power reaches beyond the death of the body. And if you took the uh, Jesus resurrection out of the New Testament, there would be nothing to say about the resurrection. So everything that we say about the resurrection kind of rides on uh, the interpretation of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And somehow God is vindicated, uh, meaning that God's power is more powerful than the empire or anything that we can experience in this life. And so it's a vague but very positive affirmation that to be with God is to be alive. And I'm not so sure there's much more we can say about it. And 
One of my favorite parables is uh, the one from uh, Mark chapter 4, where it's a very brief parable where a man, you know, just throws seeds on the ground and forgets about the seeds. He doesn't even tend them or water them. And Jesus says in that short parable, and then the earth does what it, does what it always does. The seeds go down into the earth, and something happens down there. You know, it's, it's not a biological question. This is more of a theological question. What happens when the seed goes down into the ground and then grows into something that is totally different and unexpected, I might add? And even if you think about your own life, uh, there are things that happen in our own lives where uh, we have dealt with some devastating news, uh, something has happened in our lives where it makes us wonder how to think about the future, and we can't think about the future. And so that's why I wanted to sort of emphasize this rhythm uh, in the Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, the rhythm of going down in death and rising to new life. And that is not, uh, has nothing to do with the immortality of the soul. Uh, that idea came into Christianity a lot later um, because Christians wanted to be more specific about it. Well, what's the next age like? Um, will you recognize your children? Would you have a body? And so all these, all these questions kind of uh, went along with uh, people as they kind of reflected on the scriptures. And, and it's, it's fair, you know, speculation is fair. Um, but in the case of Jesus, um, is not making any, any generalized point about the resurrection of the dead. It's a vindication of God. It's not about us, it's about God. And so that's usually where I like to leave it, uh, is not about us, but it's about God. And I kind of like that because I don't trust us very much. And I would rather trust my future into God's hands uh, than into any, anything else. Of course, we live in the world we live in, and uh, that's kind of a, obvious. Uh, but when we think about our lives, we think back how we've experienced our lives, how negative events in our lives turn out in a weird way to be positive in unintended ways. I'm not saying all losses are good or all death experiences are good, uh, but the general idea is that that's not the whole thing. Uh, a bad event is not going to define your whole life. Uh, it could open up new avenues in your life or it could uh, close down uh, avenues in your life as well. Uh, so uh, this idea of the immortality of the soul and you know, going up to be Jesus is kind of a, a little bit later. Uh, in, in the history of Christianity. But the issue remains the same, you know, going down in death and rising to new life. Well, some people want to know what it looks like when it comes out of the ground. Uh, but the whole point is that we don't. And even if you think back over your own lives, you, you wonder, you know, when you've experienced some death of a dream or a spouse or a child or a friend, um, you wonder how, how it's all going to go on. And, and you don't. You don't. And in all fairness, the best way that we can explain that is that to be with God is to be alive. And I think that's, that's what we, in, in all fairness, that's the most we can say about it. And that involves trust. Uh, 
if we knew exactly what it was going to come up as, then it would not require any trust. We would just assume that it would come up. But the fact that something goes into the ground to death and rises totally transformed is what the gospel is all about. Uh, and it's not just about the end of our bodies, our lives, but it's also uh, the end of anything that we experience in life. A marriage, a good health, a home, family members. And so um, I, I, like, I like the idea of, of that because it gives me a lot more flexibility uh, of, well, it kind of, it, it redirects my thinking. I don't get so obsessive about what it's going to be like in the next age. I can live in this moment, in this day, with full confidence that whatever happens to me, God is going to create new life out of all of our experiences of death. And, 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 and I, I think that's the best we can say, but that's a lot. In fact, that's actually more interesting than this uh, um, idea of the bodily resurrection or um, you know, the end of times with uh, all of that. Uh, that's saying too much, that's speculating too much. And if we expect one thing and it doesn't turn out to be that way, well, you know, I like the idea that to leave it up to God, that's what I like. Leave it up to God's transforming power. And that actually frees us uh, to live our own lives with a great sense of freedom and without fear. And so uh, I think Jesus' answer to the Sadducees is fair. He treats their question as an honest question, even though they didn't intend it to be. And then he argues from their own scriptures that God, if you're with God, you're alive. And one of my favorite texts, and I'll end with this, um, is one from Paul's letter to the Romans. And I love this text. I love it. It's, it's one of those things that just kind of keeps coming back to me. Chapter 14, verse 7. We do not live to ourselves, and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. That seems very hopeful to me. Let us all bow our heads for a word of prayer. Loving God, we gather here as we do on Sunday mornings, uh, kind of a, a rest stop, uh, a little bit of restoration, um, looking for kind of a confidence in uh, a future that is not simply a future built with human hands, uh, but the future that is ultimately in your hands, God. And we can trust that. You've shown us over and over and over in both the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, that you are the transforming uh, God. Uh, and all of our experiences of death somehow gets transformed into new life. Uh, we don't fully understand it. We can't uh, predict it. Uh, we can't uh, imagine it really, but we can depend on it. And that is where our hope comes in the life and teachings of Jesus 
his death, his resurrection. Uh, he is the Lord of both the dead and the living. Loving God, thank you for what we have in this life. Your gift of life to us is precious beyond words. The people you've given to us in our lives are precious beyond words. We would not be the people we are without all of that. And we come here and just humbly thank you for your power, for the way that you operated in Jesus becoming Christ. And we pray all these things in the same way that Jesus Christ taught his disciples how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.